In this episode of the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast, I am going to discuss a few players that I feel like are totally under the radar for the 2024 draft cycle, which is why I've titled this episode, Where's the Love? I mean, these guys are not on many draft boards and for whatever reasons, they've just been under the radar and not really talked about enough as draft prospects for next year. Stay tuned to find out who are my top players that I believe are not getting enough love. Shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. And this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. FanDuel is the official sports book of Locked On. Make every moment more. I'm your host, Rafael Barlow, the director scout for NBA Big Board and the founder of NBA Draft Junkies. Hopefully everybody had a great weekend. It is the dead period in sports. Luckily, there will be basketball back on soon as we start the FIBA World Cup. Actually, Team USA has already started practicing, and then there is some friendlies going on. There's still some major moves in the NBA that I believe are going to happen, but I've been told by somebody nothing happens in August. It's more than likely going to happen in September. I'm talking about Damian Lillard. I'm talking about James Harden and some other potential moves. But anyway, let's talk about the 2024 draft. Now, I've seen multiple mock drafts and I've been paying attention and keeping up with a lot of the, the big boards. And my question is, where's the love for a few prospects that I just feel like are not getting the attention they deserve? And the first player that I wanna talk about who I feel like has been totally forgotten about in this draft process, despite the fact that he led his team to the final four, is Elijah Martin. Elijah Martin is someone that is just not getting a lot of love and attention. So if you're not familiar with Elijah Martin, he is from Mississippi. I have ties to Mississippi. I went to college in Mississippi. So I, I know a little bit more about Mississippi than the average outsider that is not from the state. But he was a football player. He was a Division I quarterback. But he chose to play basketball. And even though he's listed at 6'2", he plays a lot bigger than his size. He's a great athlete, has vertical pop. He finishes above the rim. There's a play um, against Kansas State in the NCAA tournament where he just had a vicious dunk on the baseline. He's a strong frame. He's tough. He's physical. He has the, the football player mentality. He finishes through contact. And he is someone that I think could be an elite defender at the NBA level. Even though, like I say, he's a little undersized at 6'2", but he's 6'2", 210. I mean, legs like tree trunks. I had someone say that he's like, has the same legs like Earl Campbell. And I think even though, again, he doesn't have great size, I think with his strength and his athleticism, I think he can defend up. Maybe not a Marcus Smart, type defender but of the same mold as like this guy that is strong enough to defend some fours that, are, that you can't just really post up and offensively he is a good shooter he's a very good shooter he has shot 38 percent from three 
in 90 career games, which is 449 attempts. So it's, it's a good volume of attempts. He shot 39% on jumpers off the catch. He shot 40% from three in 22 and about 38% in, in 23. He is a guy that can shoot off pin downs. He can shoot coming off screens. Another attribute that I really like is that he plays big in big games. He plays big in big games. And I just tell you a little bit about his accolades. He was first team All-Conference USA last year. He made the NCAA All-Tournament team. He was the Conference USA Tournament Most Outstanding Player, made Conference USA All-Tournament team. And he had like a very under the radar season that people weren't familiar with until Florida Atlantic went deep into the NCAA tournament. Florida Atlantic was 35 and four. Martin averaged 13 points per game. He was second on the team in scoring. Now they have a really talented team that's coming back. And so I don't think you're going to see him put up big, huge numbers because the same team is coming back. They just kind of spread things out evenly. The concern from an NBA perspective is he played a lot of minutes at the four. That just shows you how talented he is. He was 6'2", played a lot of minutes at the four. Obviously it was a small ball lineup. So he didn't get a lot of reps on ball. Not a lot of plays out of you know pick and roll and ball screens. And so I think that he's in an interesting predicament because they were 35 and four last year. They went to the final four. So you don't want to change things up. You don't want to totally like change the offense to showcase his talent as, as a NBA guard, because I think that is the biggest concern is that he hasn't shown a lot of you know skills as, as a playmaker and as a ball handler. So I don't know if that is going to be something that we'll see. So it's going to be big for him to showcase that. I mean, at least show flashes during the season, but showcase that in different workouts. He averaged five rebounds per game as a, a sophomore and as a junior. I, I get his years mixed up because I know he he used one of the COVID years. He averaged over a steal per game. Now, I do think that his calling card or the skill set that he'll hang his hat on in the NBA is as a strong, physical, versatile defender that can knock down open shots, but he can score the ball. I mean, he scored over 20 points in four games this year. And when I say that he plays big in big games, I have the numbers to back it up. Now, if you take his numbers from the conference tournament and the NCAA tournament, he averaged 16 and a half points per game, which is three points more than his overall average for the year. He had a 26 point game in the final four against San Diego State. He had a 30 point game against UAB in the Conference USA Championship. And then in the Elite Eight game against Kansas State, he had 17 points. So he can score the ball. Now, what I would like to see him improve on this year is, and like I said, I don't know if he will have the opportunity. I want to see him play a little bit more on, on the wing and on the perimeter and showcase like some, some decision making and ball handling. Again, I don't think it's possible because they're bringing the same team back. But I would like to see him showcase flashes of being a, a playmaker. Now, he only has 115 career assists and he has 130 turnovers, which is kind of alarming for a 6'2 guard, but I think the situation is pretty unique. So I think that showing that he's a better decision maker will be big for his draft stock. There may be some concern about his natural NBA position because at 6'2", he's not a point guard. It hasn't shown that he can play point guard, but again, he was a quarterback. And usually I think when you are 
a football player that transitioned to a basketball player and you play quarterback, you know how to run a team, you know leadership, and obviously you know how to make passes on, on the move and accurate passes. And one thing about him as a quarterback, you look at like his frame, he was not just your, your running quarterback. He could actually throw the ball. So I think that um, the transition to a playmaker shouldn't be that difficult for him. One thing that I will say that is a little bit concerning for me is that I felt like despite his athleticism and strength, he settled for too many threes in transition. Out of his 83 attempts from the floor in transition, 35 were three-pointers. I think he bails the defense out, even though he's a good shooter, even though he is a 38% shooter from three for his career, I think he bails the defense out sometimes when he's shooting threes in transition. And then, Surprisingly, he is inefficient at the rim, only 51% at the rim, 48% on layups. So I would like to see him improve there, but I think he has the strength there. Now, you know, playing college basketball, the lane is compact and there's not a lot of floor space in there, so that could have something to do with it. But I would like to see him improve on finishing at the rim and then as a pull-up shooter, especially like in the mid-range. But overall, I'm surprised, I'm shocked that people aren't talking about him. I haven't even seen him on some top 60 or even top 100 big boards. And to me, Elijah Martin is someone that is going to get drafted next June. He's not old, even though he has three years of college basketball experience. He's not a guy that's 23, 24 years old. I think there's plenty of upside there. Again, we're talking about a guy that was a football player that is just transitioning into basketball. And I like basketball players that have a football background because there's a level of toughness and competitive fire that comes with playing football. All right, when we return, I wanna talk about London Johnson from the G League Ignite. He is someone I also feel like is not getting any love. Like, where's the love for London Johnson? Talking about a guy that skipped his senior year of high school, was playing against grown men in the G League and averaged 10 points per game. But I'll talk about that after I talk about FanDuel. Now, football season is about to kick off, and FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all season long. Because right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. I'm gonna say that again. If you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every time that team wins in the regular season. Just pick any team to win a Super Bowl, and you'll get bonus bets for every victory. You can use your bonus bets on spreads, player props, overs, unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sportsbook. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Big shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. Big shout out to each and every person that is listening during what is considered the dead season because there's not a lot of basketball going on right now. So if you're listening... To me, talk about the 2024 NBA Draft in August. You are a die-hard basketball fan. All right, the next player that I want to talk about is London Johnson. London Johnson skipped high school, his senior year of high school, and it was reported, I don't have the numbers, but it was reported that he signed a seven-figure deal to play two years with the G League Ignite. And I thought he had a pretty good season considering that he was supposed to be in high school. He averaged 10 points per game, 1.9 rebounds, 2.9 assists per game, shot 43% from the floor, 33% from three, 79% from the foul line. And I had a chance to watch him play. I thought that 
Defensively, at times, he was a little overmatched because he was so thin. He was like 160 pounds. I mean, he's, again, he was supposed to be a senior in high school and he was going against grown men like Grant Riller, who are 25, 26 years old, who are, I mean, who's a great scorer. But what I liked about him on the defensive end, despite the fact that he lacked grown man strength, was that he just couldn't screen him. I think with his length and effort on the defensive end, I think he is going to be a plus defender in the NBA. He is a crafty scorer. I think he has good size at 6'3", 6'4". He's a solid shooter off the catch. And he is someone that is, in my opinion, I think going to be a solid NBA player because he's advanced already at shooting off the dribble. He's a really good pull-up shooter. He shot 44% on pull-up jumpers. Now, in comparison, that is one of the things that a lot of people really liked about Scoot Henderson was his ability to knock down mid-range jumpers. And people talked about him being the like the best shooter out of all of the super athletic point guards that came out. Now, Lyndon Johnson is nowhere near the athletic freak as Scoot Henderson. But when we talk about Scoot, we talk about the pull-up shooting as a plus. Well, London Johnson shot 44% on pull-up jumpers compared to Scoot Henderson's 36%. Now, he's not the same threat to get downhill and finish at the rim at Scoot, but I thought that is a positive sign. I think London could play both guard spots because he is a good shooter off the catch. Again, I really believe in the shooting touch. Even though he's about 33% from three, I think that is definitely going to increase because, and I'll say it again, he is making the adjustment from the high school line to the NBA three-point line. So if you can go from high school to the NBA line and shoot 33% from three while shooting 80% from the foul line, I think that is a very good indicator of shooting touch and upside as a shooter. And then defensively, again, as a kid that's supposed to be in high school, he had 40 stocks, which is steals and blocks in 36 games. Now, I will say that the area that I would like to see him improve on is getting stronger, which is natural. I mean, I would have to say that for pretty much any high schooler that is playing against grown men. But I'd like to see him get stronger and get to a point to where... He is not, I don't want to say it was a liability, but he to the point where teams aren't picking on him because of his lack of size. I do think that he needs to get stronger on the offensive end also because he only shot 50% at the rim. I do think like some of the struggles at finishing in traffic were directly related to his lack of strength. And I think that for him this season, I would like to see him show more uh, I guess as a ball handler and, and playmaker, I should say. The ball handling's fine, but I like to see him make strides as a playmaker. Well, I definitely believe he has it in him because a few years back, it was at Central Basket. It was like the U-17s and he represented Jamaica. This was back in 2021. He averaged 36 points per game and nine rebounds, four assists, and four steals. So I do think that he has the ability to put up big scoring numbers, but I think that with, with the playmaking, I definitely want to see some strides there. But overall, I think London Johnson is someone that is just not getting enough love, not getting enough attention from people that are covering the draft. And I talked to someone about it, and one of the things that they mentioned was NBA scouts and just people in general still do not fully understand how to evaluate the G League. Now, the guys that are just going to stand out that, you know, whether it's your Scoots or your Jalen Greens, though, 
it's very easy to see them. But he mentioned like Leonard Miller, for example, and I'm a big Leonard Miller fan. He mentioned that a lot of teams just didn't know how to evaluate Leonard Miller, despite the fact that he was super productive and he averaged like 17 and 10. He said maybe people thought he was a little awkward, which is why they, you know, couldn't put him in a box or he was just a little bit different as far as like his style of play. But overall, like you mentioned, that people just don't know how to evaluate the G League. And the, the fear is people are missing out on the fact that London Johnson averaged 10 points per game in his first year as a professional while he was supposed to be taking calculus and algebra and roaming the halls in high school. So I think London Johnson is another player that I'm wondering, like, where is the love? All right, the next player that I want to talk about that I feel is not getting enough love is Zeke Mayo. I'll talk a little bit more about Zeke when we return. All right, last segment. The next player I want to talk about is Zeke Mayo. Zeke Mayo is from South Dakota State. He's actually from Lawrence, Kansas. And you have to wonder, how does Zeke Mayo get out of Lawrence, Kansas? Zeke averaged 18 points, six rebounds, three assists per game. He is an excellent rebounder at the guard position. Excellent rebounder at the guard position. Has a little bit of Craig Porter in his game as far as rebound because six rebounds per game at 6'3 is extremely impressive. Again, 18 points per game. Shot 90% from the foul line, 37% from three, 42% from the floor overall. What I like about Zeke is even though the assist numbers aren't like great, they don't stand out to you at three per game. I think he has really good court vision. I think that he is someone that puts good zip on the ball. I think he has good feel as a playmaker, at least as far as the vision and seeing things. I think the shot is shot like 37% from three. I, I think that the shot is still a work in progress. The numbers are good, but he struggles shooting off the catch. He really struggles shooting off the catch, but off the dribble, he is efficient one of the best pull-up shooters in the country i believe also the shot is beautiful again i don't have any concerns about the touch i think he's just one of these guys that is used to having the ball in his hands and shooting off the catch is just a totally different situation for him hopefully that's something that he spent time working on all summer because i think if he becomes a better shooter off the catch I think he's a legitimate NBA prospect, but he's still not getting a lot of love despite the fact that he put up good numbers. Now, what I like about him is that he exudes confidence. He has offensive creativity. I'm a huge fan of guys that are not robots. I feel like a lot of players are just training and they're doing drills on top of drills. And then the only time they're playing is in games. And when you're playing only in games, you don't really have the opportunity to freestyle and experiment. And I was actually talking to um, a quarterback coach. It was Dak Prescott's quarterback coach. And I was doing some, some video work for a, a, a football recruit. And we just kind of comparing the difference between kids growing up playing basketball and football nowadays and, and years past when it seems like more kids were outside playing as opposed to just doing drills. And I never thought of it, but he mentioned it from the quarterback standpoint is that like a guy like Patrick Mahomes is so good at freestyling and improvising because he played like backyard football and so on. While there's so many guys that are just only going to like quarterback passing drills and, and, and they're only playing. So they're losing, you know, the, the feel and creative instincts that comes along with just playing like 
pick up with your friends out in the street and so on. So I feel the same way in basketball. So I said all that to say this. Zeke Mayo is a guy that I believe played a lot of pickup basketball because of the offensive creativity that he's shown. He's not one of these guys that you, you assume just, just did a lot of drill work and skill work because there are guys that I've seen that are really skilled, extremely skilled. You put them in any basketball drill and they can master it because they've done so many repetitions. But then when it comes to like a live defense and in games, they kind of struggle with the creative part. And some of it is because I don't think they're playing a lot of pickup. So anyway, Zeke Mayo is someone that I love his offensive creativity. I love how he has the ability to get to his spots and, and, and shoot the pull-up jumper. He's a tough shot maker and he's a crafty ball handler, again, with offensive creativity. Now, I like that he's physical, he plays through contact, and he is an efficient finisher around the rim, like really efficient around the rim, 62% finishing at the rim. And I think that his ability to get downhill, even though he's not like a tremendous athlete, his ability to get downhill and finish at the rim, I think helps him out. Now again, 38% shooting off the dribble. So we're talking about a guy that can pass, he can finish at the rim, he can shoot the pull up. And I think he's a, again, I talked about the shooting. I think once he develops into a shoot off the catch, he could be a three level scorer on the college level, even though he already is, except again, playing off the ball. Now the concerns are he lacks Ideal blow by speed for a four point guard. I think he will need a screen to, to get to where he wants to go. Now, even though I think he's a good passer, the decision making is a little, it's up and down. He only has about 13 more assists and turnovers for his career, which is kind of alarming for a point guard. But I think that the vision is there. He sees it, it's just sometimes the decision making is a little bit off. And he's a below the rim finisher, even though he's a good finisher. It's below the rim, zero dunks. And again, the biggest concern is shooting off the catch. But despite the fact that he has a good resume, where again, 18.6 rebounds, three assists, in the Summit League, in conference play, it went up to 21.6 rebounds, four assists in 18 games. There was a game against Grant Nelson. Grant Nelson was the, the, the media darling in the second half of the year. There was a game where Zeke Mayo had 41 points against North Dakota State. He had four double-doubles, four games where he had 10 plus rebounds. And then there were a couple games where he had 13 rebounds in the game. We're talking about a point guard here, 13 rebounds in the game. And then he had four games where he scored 30 or more. Again, 6'3", point guard, can score, can rebound, good passer, but I don't see enough people talking about Zeke Mayo. Where is the love? Another player that I wanna talk about is someone that I think that can have a role in the NBA. His season was kind of short last year due to an injury, but I thought he showed enough as a shooter to where I think that he should be given an opportunity to at least be on your top 100 list. And it is Damari Monsano from Wake Forest. He has good positional size, 6'6", 225. He's a redshirt senior. He is a guy that can knock down open shots. Well, that's his specialty, I should say. His specialty is knocking down open shots, whether it's at a standstill or on the move. Shot 41% from three on seven attempts. Again, 41% from three on seven attempts. He can handle a little, but it's more so at a standstill, not necessarily a guy that's gonna use his handle to get downhill, but he can handle enough to create 
enough space to knock down open shots. Again, has a defined NBA role as a floor spacer. 41% on jump shots overall, 42% on catch-and-shoot jumpers, 38% on pull-up jumpers, and 77% at the rim. But don't get too excited. It was only on 13 attempts per game. Now, he's not an explosive athlete, rarely gets inside the paint, and not much of a ball mover. But I do think that NBA teams are looking for wings that can knock down open shots. And Monsanto can knock down open shots. He started 21 games before he... This season was shortened with a back injury, but he led Wake Forest at 40% from three, and it was second in the ACC before he went down. And he is, in my opinion, one of the top shooters in this draft class. He was leading the ACC in three-pointers made the majority of the season, finished with 87 total, and he averaged three triples per game. But what I like about him is that in conference play, in ACC play, he averaged a little under 15 points per game. He had a game where he had 28 points against Notre Dame, and he had seven games with 20 points or more. Again, Damari Monsanto was someone that we are just not, or at least um, people just aren't talking about as a top 100 guy. And then the last player that I want to talk about, and I mentioned him briefly in a podcast a few weeks ago about the G League Ignite, which again, I'm curious to see how they make that work with all their talent, is Tyler Smith. Tyler Smith is a player that was a top 10 recruit out of high school. He goes to overtime elite. And because all the attention is pretty much focused on the Thompson twins, which, you know, they deserve the attention. But Tyler Smith was totally, 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 totally forgotten about. And how do you forget about a guy that is six foot 11, that can handle and that has wing skills? He can handle, he's skilled, he's fluid, he's a lefty, he can run the floor. Promising shooter, actually shot 36% from three in his first year at OTE. Again, we're talking about a 6'11 wing that shot 36% from three. And I just feel like he has a little bit of Chris Bosch in him, but he just disappeared. Now, if you are someone that doesn't believe in OTE or, or you think that going to OTE cost him. And I feel like, yes, it may have cost him as far as buzz and hype because again, he kind of got lost in the shuffle at OTE. But think of it from this perspective. You're a kid, you're in like 10th or 11th grade. You have an opportunity to play basketball and get paid for it. And I've heard that, you know, you can make six figures playing for OTE. Now, the average American adult is not going to make six figures. So you can make good money. You can focus on basketball. You can still get your education, but you can focus on basketball. You can be in a professional environment. So it's like he traded the hype and buzz that comes along with playing in, in you know, one of the top high school teams or in the... NIBC or is it NBI? NIBC. He traded it to play in a professional setting at overtime and just got lost. Athletic, can defend multiple positions, can play some five, can be your, your face up four, can spot up, attack off the dribble. I do think he has a tendency to settle for jumpers, but I think the G League is going to get him right. In the right situation, we're, we're talking about a guy that 
again, if he had the same buzz and hype around him coming out of high school, I think we'd be talking about him as a potential first-round pick, maybe even lottery pick. But I want to know, where's the love for Tyler Smith? You can't say he got worse. You can't say that he was a top, I think he was like the top eight player in his class before joining OTE. Are, are, are you guys saying that he got worse? Or everybody got that much better? I don't think so. I think Tyler Smith is still the same player that he was when he was very hyped up before going to OTE. And now the love is gone. But not here at NBA Big Board. I am here to bring Tyler Smith some love. Even though I think the situation with Ignite is going to be very interesting because they have a lot of talent, a lot of overlapping skill set, a lot of miles to feed, and a lot of guys that are hoping to be first-round picks. But then on the other hand, you can say that for pretty much any college in America at a power five school. But I'm still curious to see how they make it work. Well, that wraps up this episode. Once again, it's Rafael Barlow, and I just gave you players that I feel like are not getting enough love. Now in the next episode, this is gonna be fun. I've been doing some research. I'm trying to figure out who is the next Brandon Pajemski. Who is the next guy that averaged under five points per game, transfers to a new school, and all of a sudden turns into an NBA prospect and potentially a first round pick. Now, Pajemski's situation was an outlier, but there's gotta be somebody out there that is going to transfer into a good situation and they're going to solidify themselves as an NBA prospect. So find out in the next episode who I believe could be the next Brandon Pajemski for the 2024 NBA draft. Once again, it's Rafael Barlow and I am out.